21st Century Women on HCR 104 FM and Cambridge 105. We have a fantastic mix of topics in this month's 21st Century Women. We start with the D word. Bobby Jones has been looking into the world of dieting. She speaks to Kelly Consalvis about how she lost five stones and how success can be achieved by having a good support network around you. Andrew Bish and his brother will follow in the footsteps of their grandfather as they trek 100 kilometres through the World War I battlefields of France and Belgium in October to raise funds for ABF, the soldiers' charity. The Reverend Rosemary Maskell talks about her sabbatical and the book she wrote when she was taking time out of the hurly-burly of life. And Leslie Challens and Alex Elbro chat to Louise Wilson about their involvement in getting the Mill Road WI started. That's all coming up on this edition of 21st Century Women. We are remembering that we are 100 years on from the First World War and ex-Royal Marine Andrew Bish has looked into the life of his grandfather who was a medic in the trenches. Andrew and his brother are taking part in a trek through Belgium and France. He tells Bobby Jones his story. In the studio with me is Mr. Andrew Bish, who has been doing some research into his grandfather, who was part of the army that went across to fight in World War One. Tell me, why did you decide to do this research into your grandfather? Uh, well, a number of reasons. I, I guess um, it's partially triggered by the fact that we're 100 years on. We're in that 100-year anniversary period from the First World War. And I suppose also I'm aware that there are fewer and fewer surviving relatives who remember my grandfather. He sadly died um, a few years before I was born, so I never knew him in person, but I know a lot of him through um, you know, the oral history of the family. Looking at the photograph which I've got in front of me, I can see that there's quite a resemblance between you and your grandfather, which is rather fun. Tell me a little bit about where he fought and, and what he was doing. Why did he go out to the First World War? Because he'd actually finished his military career at that stage, hadn't he? Yes, he, uh, he joined the military, joined the Sherwood Foresters Regiment in 1904, um, aged 18. And I think at that time it was um, probably one of the few economic options open to him. And he did the standard uh, terms of engagement for the time. He served three years in the regulars and then a further nine years in the reserves. So uh, he left the regular service in, in 1907 and he was recalled to duty on the outbreak of war in August 1914. In the spirit of the times, I'm sure he would have gone under his own steam had he not been recalled. What sort of a soldier was he? Well, he served originally with the Sherwood Foresters. He was born in 1886, so you know he would have been um, in his late 20s on the outbreak of the First World War. So not a, not a young man by military standards of the day. And he retrained as a, as a medic, and he served with the um, Notts and Derbyshire uh, Royal Army Medical Corps. So he was a medic, so he would have seen the really horrifying stuff in the trenches. Yes, we know he served in France. I believe he also served in Belgium and you're right he would have seen uh, an awful lot of things things that affected him quite clearly stayed with him for the rest of his life 
And of course, in those days, we had no PTSD, and it was shell shock then. That's right. I've been I've been looking into shell shock recently and realised just how huge a problem um, it was at the time. The British military authorities actually tried to ban the uh, the use of the term shell shock, and they tried to eradicate it. It had by then become part of the uh, language of the day, but it, it actually covered a range of um, conditions. The scale of the problem was so vast, but it actually potentially affected the effectiveness of the of the British Armed Forces. And it certainly does today, but in those days they, they didn't recognise it at all. When you think Freud had only just started at that time and, yep. and the psychiatric problems were, were not known. N- no. Nobody ever thought about that side of things. That's right. Psychology and psychiatry were very much in their infancy, particularly in this country. I think ironically it was better understood on the continent and particularly in Germany. And a lot of the, the medical establishment and particularly the military medical establishment refused to accept that there was any validity to um, to the range of uh, conditions that collectively made up shell shock. And of course we all know the stories of lack of moral fibre uh, and men being shot for cowardice and in some cases, some terrible cases where people had been sent home, uh, had been treated for months, had been sent back to the front. Many of them had been buried alive by shell fire, not just once, you know, several times um, buried alive and then um, uncovered by a, another shell falling nearby in some cases. You know, and things that um, are going to break any man eventually. So very, very sad um, that they were treated in that way. Things we we don't even have a concept of today. So, having done all this wonderful research and discovered what your grandfather actually experienced, and you yourself, you're... An ex-marine, is that right? Yeah, I'm a former Royal Marine. I think I'm the only one of um, of Bill, my, my grandfather, Bill Bish. I think I'm the only one of his um, grandchildren, many grandchildren, to actually join in the military. So I've always felt a close affinity to Bill. And it's, you know, it's a joy to get to know him better, you know, all these years after he passed away. I can see that your your grandfather had 15 children. Wow. He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> That's a tremendous number. And, of course, it being the anniversary of mm. the World War, you and your brother have decided to do a trek across Belgium and France. That's right. And there's a number of reasons why we've chosen to do it now. As you say, it's the 100th anniversary period of the First World War. And I've always wanted to see the the, um, the landscape and understand the battlefields of the First World War better. It's also an important anniversary for me. It's 35 years on since the Falklands, which is a war you know that I took part in, fought in. And we're celebrating honouring my grandfather's memory and also celebrating my safe return from the Falklands in 1982. That's a fantastic thing to do and it's going to be a brotherly thing. It is, yeah. (laughs) My older brother Steve and I, um, I've worked it out actually by the time we do the walk in October, I think our combined age will be 115. So that's quite quite alarming, um, and we're both in training now. A hundred kilometre walk—it's not something any of us do every day. It's a long you way need to, to treat, walk. It, yeah, wow. something you need to treat with respect, I think. <laughs> yes, well done, you. Yeah. You've decided to do this for a, a forces charity. Which which one is this? It's ABF, the Soldiers' Charity, and they're the organisers of this event. It's known as the Frontline Walk. It can easily be found um, by googling um, Frontline Walk 2017, and that gives details of the route. And 
Equally, the Soldiers' Charity is perhaps not the best known of the military charities, but it has been around since 1944, and they do great work supporting veterans from conflicts of all eras, veterans of all ages. And it's very important, considering how, how many... We talked about shell shock and the issues um, of 100 years ago. We have a huge issue with um, veterans coming back from more recent conflicts, Iraq and particularly Afghanistan. You know, I think people are well aware of um, the physical injuries that many carry. You know, we have people, um, in many cases, triple amputees, who would have had no chance of survival, even... 35 years ago in the Falklands, their chances of survival would have been zero. Now the medical support is so good, the setup is so good that people can be, you know, can be put into an induced coma, flown back to the UK, and be in a, uh, an acute hospital setting in the UK in less than 24 hours. But what is less well known is the the psychological impact, and I personally feel we're carrying a, a huge ticking time bomb of veterans from really brutal, nasty conflicts like Afghanistan, who have seen things that um, none of us would ever wish to, to, to see. You know, I take my hat off to the Soldiers Charity and to the many other military charities out there who are doing great work supporting the veterans with physical and mental uh, issues. Now, if there's anybody out there who has heard this and would really like to support you with your trek, have you got a, a, a Just Giving page or something? Yeah, my brother and I have um, signed up to some fairly uh, demanding um, fundraising targets, £1,250 each as a, as a minimum. And uh, if anybody would uh, like to kindly support us, um, uh, they can go to my Just Giving page, which is www.justgiving.com slash fundraising slash andrew-bish1. It's also probably easier to send money via text, and the text link is 7070, so 70070, and enter the amount with a pound sign, so for example, five pound, preceded by a pound sign, and enter the code THIRM82, that stands for Falkland Islands Royal Marine, so it's F-I-R-M 82, and that will find its way into my account. Alternately, if anyone would like to donate by cheque, they can send cheques made to the soldier charity care of myself andrew bish at the garden apartment one walden house george street huntingdon pe 29 3ad and um, very much appreciate all the support i'm getting from from many quarters at this stage that was andrew bish talking about his fundraising effort for the military charity abf a reminder that Andrew's fundraising page can be found at the justgivein.com website. Click on the links and go for andrew-bish1, and that's the number one. The music was Amarillo by Tony Christie. Well, that was a great interview, Bobby, with Andrew Bish. Very interesting chap then. Yes, it, it was very interesting. Um, Andrew has done a lot of, of research into his grandfather. I'm not quite sure whether he actually ever met his grandfather but um, certainly doing all that research means that he has got much closer to him and as an ex-marine himself I'm sure that this experience when he, he gets around to it because it's not happening just right now when he gets around to it I think it's going to be quite emotional for him. I think it will. And I think you're right. There must be the strong connection between him and his grandfather because they were both serving in the forces. That alone is quite a strong bond, I think. 
Yes, very much so. And also going out with his brother, I'm sure that this will help too. And we wish them all the luck in the world. As we said earlier, if you would like to sponsor them, do go along to Just Giving and look for Andrew-Bish1 and you can contribute there. Across Cambridgeshire, 21st Century Women on Cambridge 105 and HCR 104 FM. In the first of a two-part look into how we can go about losing weight, Bobby Jones speaks to Kelly Consalves, who lost five stones following the birth of her child. Bobby Jones, find out how she went about it. Summertime And the living is Summertime, and all us ladies like to think that we're going to look good in our swimming costumes, our bikinis, our whatever else it is that we zoom into the pool with. A lot of us have got a little bit too much weight and get a bit embarrassed and don't like to really jump into the pool. But I have got someone here who is really good at this. She has been slimming and she's lost a tremendous amount of weight over the years. And this is Kelly. Kelly, tell me, what was it that started you off and made you want to lose weight? Well, I was pregnant and um, I got gestational diabetes. So I knew I needed to do something about it. And once my baby had been born, I I really needed to do something because I couldn't get up off the sofa on my own. Everything ached, everything took a long time. So I just knew I had to do something about it. And so I decided that I was going to take that step and I joined a Slimming World group um, and I lost five and a half stone. That is absolutely amazing. But what was it that actually made you go to a a slimming club rather than getting the old books out and the calorie counting and all that stuff? I've tried that before and to be honest, if you're doing it on your own, you kind of lose the motivation very, very quickly. And I found that I would start something, I would do some exercise, that wouldn't last very long. I'd do the calorie counting and the weekend would come and you'd, you'd go and have ice cream or you'd have biscuits or whatever it was. And it just never seemed to last. And I thought that joining some a club or a group where everybody's in the same boat, everybody supported each other, everybody wanted each other to do well and succeed, and it made such a difference to me. Right. So it was actually other people encouraging. Absolutely. That did it. Yep. And that okay. I think that is really the key because it's it's all well and good having support from people at home. My husband, for example, he doesn't need to lose any weight. He's very slim and he would sit next to me eating chocolate biscuits and I'm trying to lose weight and that just wasn't working. But when I had the group, I had we've got a secret Facebook pages and all sorts where you can say, my husband's sitting here eating chocolate biscuits. You get lots of people then wanting to contact you to say, that's that's great, but stick with it. You can do this. I mean, it sounds as though you were really quite ill during your pregnancy. I was towards the end. Because of the gestational diabetes, I had to watch absolutely everything that I ate. I had to take the test twice a day, three times a day um, with the needle. And I was adamant I was not going to go onto medication for it. I wanted to control it by diet and exercise. And that kind of gave me a starting block because I knew that it was never going to get better. And also, 
after gestational diabetes, it puts you at higher risk of type 2 diabetes as well. So you know that that, that chance is there. So I wanted to alleviate that as much as I possibly could. It's still not definite that I'm not going to get it, but I've really lowered my chances, that's for sure. So that was the real spur. It was a real health thing that did it. That's exactly what it was. It wasn't so much... Well, it was the weight as well. I'm not going to lie. There are very, very few photos of me with my newborn baby because I just didn't like the way I looked. But more than anything, it was the health. It was the health aspect. It was wanting to to be the, a good mum and, you know, be a healthy mum and encourage my little one, who's now two, to actually eat healthy meals and make good choices. Because if she sees me growing up eating stuff that I shouldn't eat then it's really difficult. Did you do, do fitness as well? I did alongside it and, and that is, losing weight is all about what you put in your body, it's what, yes. what about what you eat. But the, the exercise is a mindset, so it makes you keep going and also it tones you it's good to get out and out and about and I never did anything too strenuous but I would I go for a walk take the baby out and I used to really enjoy that mm. um even in in cold weather you know you get a bit of fresh air it was good for the baby it was good for me and it was good you know for my mindset as well so mm. it's it is an important part of it but it's not the be all and end all of losing weight a five stone is an incredible amount to lose how long did it take you eight months that was pretty short amount of time. I'm a very all or nothing kind of person. I'm either absolutely not worrying about what I'm eating or absolutely totally watching what I'm eating. And I did it fa faster than most. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, they people do rather say, don't do it fast, do it slowly so that it stays off. So how long ago did you lose the five stone and are you still keeping it off? I got to my target weight in June 2016. So coming up for so just over a year ago. And yes, I am keeping it off. But now I've become a Slimming World consultant. I kind of have to. <laughs> it doesn't set a good great, great example if I'm putting on the pounds so that that really spurs me as well to, to keep it off but you look absolutely fabulous thank you so it was so so worth it and of course having the little one that was a spur too but there, there's lots of lots of ladies out there I'm quite sure who'll be sitting there saying oh well she managed it in five I've tried every single diet why does this particular club seem to make a difference because I've been to all of them. I have as well. I've tried every diet there is to, to go. I've had the cabbage soup. I've had it all. I've tried every single one. But for me, the difference is with what, what we do, it's actually nothing is off limits. If you want some ice cream, you can have some ice cream. If you want a glass of wine in the evening, you can have it. It's not a really restricted, corseted diet. It's a, it's a lifestyle plan. It's a healthy eating. And we, we help people to to do it sensibly because we are going to like all likely to crash if we don't eat what we what what we actually want then one day we're just going to go absolutely nuts and eat everything in sight and then we've blown it in our heads and then we go back to how we were before whereas this little bit of what you fancy does you good you're absolutely right yeah it's it's the little bit of what you fancy absolutely key, isn't it and the great thing is things like meat and fish are all free to eat as much as you want they're unlimited so you can have as much you know meat as you want you can have as much bacon as you want mm. so it is a really really easy to follow plan and I'm, that's why i love it 
It isn't so much the protein, is it? It's the sauces that you put onto your fish or the pasta sauce that you do your meat in. Absolutely. But if you go for things like the jarred stuff, then that has got so much sugar and salt. Not that salt is a weight thing, but it's not great for you. The great thing also is there's a website and it's got thousands of recipes. You type in salmon, for example, and it comes up with all the recipes that contain salmon. And it makes it really easy to, to be able to cook a nice, healthy, tasty family meal. And what if you're not a cook? What if you're a great one for the horrible takeaways? There are good choices that you can make. There are good, good things that you can have. There are, I'm not trying to plug at all, but in Iceland there are Slimming World meals. And they're fantastic for people that, that just want to stick something in the microwave. And they are all free to eat as much as you want of. And they're tasty and they're, they're good for you. Um, are they really tasty? They I really are. sometimes question whether these things are tasty they are i i don't i like cooking so i do cook a lot but i've always got some in the freezer just in case i've had a long day or i'm tired or i'm not feeling myself because that is when you're going to go for the takeaways that's when you're going to phone for the, the pizza and things like that so it's having something in the freezer that is a moment but things like frozen rice you can actually buy frozen rice now. Can you? You can. And that, that again is always in my freezer. And I just stick something with it. So I make a batch of spaghetti bolognese sauce and I just throw that over the rice or something like that. And it's easy. That sounds a very sensible sort of diet if it's going to let you have anything you want. But of course, it's moderation. It really is moderation. It? Absolutely. Yeah. But you can choose. And that's the great thing. There are organisations out there where they are very, very corseted. And it's not great it's not great for you long term we're mm. teaching people how to eat healthily for life not to lose a load of weight and then forget it stick it in the bin and forget about it and then start start eating what you were eating before put it all back on again kelly thank you so much a for pleasure. coming in and talking to us and i hope that that's going to encourage everybody out there to really make this summer a good one with, absolutely with some good curves it can be done it can be done that was Kelly Consalves talking about losing weight and explaining that we need to change our approach to eating in order to remain a healthy weight. The music was Summertime by Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. Next month, Bobby will talk to Pat King and find out which method of dieting that she has found to be a success. Well, that was really interesting, Bobby. Five stone, that's incredible. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, I think anybody who's um, a little bit more overweight than the five stone would be really, really interested to hear her story. Indeed. Kelly looks absolutely fantastic. I mean, she, she's she got a really good size now. Whereas if you compare that with the pictures that she showed me originally, she was a very tubby young lady. But I suppose you could forgive her because she did get pregnant but mm -hmm. like a lot of women who get pregnant they for some reason kind of balloon and allow it to happen mm -hmm. but we, we all know that we shouldn't do it but some well, of us do. telling you not to diet when you're pregnant because you've got to have enough That's right. calories absolutely. Um, and then afterwards the time is just taken up and you're hungry all the time you're absolutely especially if you're breastfeeding and whatnot you're exhausted uh, even if you're not you're still exhausted because you've got a young child to to look after you're not used to that if it's your first pregnancy you're mentally stressed and you're also 
potentially just exhausted the whole time. And I think that makes you eat. And I think that mm. makes you sla- snack mm. unhealthily. I'm sure you're right, yes. It's years since I went along to Slimming World. But back in those days, it was just the, the, the terror of going on the scales and the shame of going up the way rather than down the way. And we used to go to all kinds of levels, you know, all kinds of antics. You'd wear the lightest clothes you possibly could that day. It only works once, though, Linda. <laughs> Well, I mean, you have to keep oh, it yeah. up, don't you, really? Yeah, you've got, yeah you've got, you'll notice people at Slimming World back in those days were getting less and less, you know, clothed every time that they went. You also visit the loo before you're weighed, even, even going for a wee. If you, you know. can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even going for a pee, you think, well, that's got to get rid of a few ounces. It's that desperate, you know, when you're being weighed. But it shouldn't really be like that, should it? No. There's no shame. <laughs> Yes, but there is. It used to be. Well, I don't know if it was Slimming World. Everyone's so supportive. It was a club I used to go to, and yes, they are. But there, there there was a bit of shame involved. You know, it depends on the group, I think, and how it was run. But this was many years ago, so and I don't think it was Slimming World. It was something else. I've been much more recently, and I did find that they were very helpful. But the trouble with me is that I have to make up my mind that this is really what I want to do. And I don't think I was in the right frame of mind. I mean, I could do with losing at least as many stone as as dear old um, Kelly did. But, uh, well, maybe one day. Mm -hmm. I know. I think you have got to be in the right frame of mind. You're right. But I think once it starts happening and you start going out and buying, you know, clothes that are a size down, that's when I think that's the point that you really become engaged. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, you suddenly realise that, hey, I can get into this size 12 or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. I can't remember being a size 12. (laughs) Across Cambridgeshire. 21st Century Women on Cambridge 105 and HCR 104 FM. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to take a few months out of life to quietly reflect? The Reverend Rosemary Maskell, Rector of Huntingdon, St Barnabas and the Riptons, did just that. She talks to Bobby Jones about what it was like and the books that came out of that time. Round like a circle in a spiral Like a wheel within a Never ending or beginning On an ever spinning reel Like a snowball down a mountain Or a carnival balloon Like a carousel Thank you for coming into the studio to talk about your books because you'll be becoming a celebrated author. I don't know about celebrated, but uh, certainly, uh, yes, I'm enjoying writing, certainly. And Rosemary's very kindly brought me in a selection of the, the three books, which is a series, but she's also got one up her sleeve as well. But these are beautifully produced books. Tell me about them. Last year I took some study leave, which is used to be called a sabbatical, but because it's not every seven years now, it's known as extended study leave. So I was sent away from the parishes for three months to um, have a bit of rest and refreshment, but mostly to have some time to, to study and to sort of revisit my vocation, as it were. During that time, you're allowed to decide what it is you would like to um, study or what you'd like to look at and learn more about. And I decided that I'd, because I'd never been to Iona, I wanted to go and have a look around there and see what was around. But I thought to make it easier, and rather than having to write a long essay afterwards saying what I did on my study leave, I would actually produce a couple of books, one based on Iona 
and one based in Assisi, which is sort of rapidly becoming my second home as it's a favourite place to visit. Uh, the purpose of these was to, as in my words, to step off the roundabout, which is the title or the opening title of each of the books that I've written, um, which should be self-explanatory, uh, stopping from the, the hurly-burly of everyday life and just starting to realise that there is more to life than work and rushing around. Uh, the idea was to take time and just to rest, to re-engage with not just myself, but also to reconnect with God, of God, a creator. So really? the first book I wrote was on Iona, uh, looking at various places there and uh, visiting various places, learning about St Columba um, and what he did while he was there as well. The, the books are absolutely amazing. They're really beautifully produced, well set out on not every page, but lots of pages. There are some really lovely photographs which you took yourself? I did take them. The idea was I was supposed to be doing some painting because I haven't done any for so long and I thought, well, I need to get back into it. And this was an ideal opportunity with plenty of time on my hands, allegedly. Um, but it, the weather was so beautiful. It was wall-to-wall sunshine in May in Scotland. Um, <laughs> the photographs were coming out so well, I thought, well, I can't compete with this with a paintbrush, so I might as well just carry on taking photographs. But they are beautiful photographs. So, And, and I would recommend that people had a good look at them because they are lovely. So there are three. Iona is the, the the first one, but you said that you loved Assisi and that it's almost becoming your second home. Well, it's a place I visit regularly, certainly, and I've, I take groups pretty much every year now. I've been going for 20-odd uh, years. Um, 20 years? And it, it was the Assisi one that really sort of sparked me off to start with. Uh, I was thinking I really must put something down about this because so many people go and really they arrive in, the, in this wonderful place and don't know where to start, what to look at first. And I thought, well, I can do that. So I've written a, a retreat guide that people can use as individuals um, rather than being involved in a group being dragged around here, there and everywhere. Take their time and look, uh, look at a particular place with a particular theme. And in each of the books, I've done a reflection, a brief description, if you like, of the place or the, the thing that we're actually looking at. And then a reflection on it with a short Bible reading, some ideas for you to reflect on, and then a short prayer at the end, as well as the pictures. I'm just sort of perusing the Assisi book. Is Assisi the place that they have these wonderful parades at uh, at certain times? They do. I mean, Italy is a place full of parades, and um, I know Huntingdon is actually twinned now with Gubbio, which is just a little way up the road, um, which I'll be visiting in a couple of weeks. But Assisi is famous really for, apart from St Francis and St Clair, uh, the Calendar Maggio, which happens every May for a whole week at the beginning of May, and uh, competitions between the old town and the new town, all dressed in medieval costumes. Um, there's jousting, there's opera uh, plays, all sorts of things, absolutely fantastic. Uh, but you don't go there for the peace and quiet in those particular weeks. No, I guess not. I should imagine that they're pretty lively. The Italians <laughs> can be very lively. The drumming is very loud. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be a really good thing if somebody wanted to go on something that was very special to them. And, and as you're saying, they could think about the meaning of life and why we're here. It's it's lovely because you've produced a prayer for them to think about at each point and a reading and of course as you said the reflection which is lovely at so that's a cci owner and god's garden 
the reason I, I did this one was because I got so carried away writing the other two and I thought I don't want it to stop. So I actually had some time at the end of my study leave to compile this third one. I was actually in Norfolk when I wrote it, but the, the pictures are from all over the place, a lot of them from Norfolk. So you've really yeah. got into the writing. I have, I've really how, enjoyed it. How long does it take? Do you, do you just sit down at eight o'clock in the morning and write all the way through to midnight? No, no. Um, the Assisi one practically wrote itself because... I know it so well. So over 20 years, it's it's just there in my head. I own it took a bit longer. I had to do quite a bit of research for it. But again, once I started the reflections, they pretty much wrote themselves. Uh, I'm just doing the description of the places. You know, obviously a bit of uh, research and everything else went into that. But the prayers I've written myself as well. So, yeah, it doesn't take that long. Well, if you concentrate and, and allow yourself time, I suppose during the time I was away of those three months probably almost two months was writing of the three C- consistently writing just sitting there and getting on yeah, but there was a lot of walking and going around taking photographs and sitting on beaches and things as well so mm. that's always good and th- these three but you've got something else up your sleeve at the moment <laughs> i have um there's another book which is actually at the publishers at the moment hoping to arrive next week wow um, I'm not sure if it's a good idea or not, but we, <laughs> we'll wait and see. But it's a, re, um, a compilation of all the reflections of the thoughts for the day that I've done over the last few years. And uh, I've put together 45 of the ones that I've actually done. I missed a few out. Uh, so it's the new book is called A Rector's Reflection. A Rector's Reflections. That sounds great. And I know that you've been into uh, HCR 104 FM an awful lot, but 45? I didn't realise that you'd done 45. Yeah, I've actually done a lot more than that, but I whittled it down to 45 because it was getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> so these were just the good ones. And most of the time, you've been on The Breakfast Show yeah. with our David Potter. And I know that uh, he's a great one for actually putting you on the spot, isn't Yes, I mean, we had a few laughs. We had a lot of laughs, I have to say, and we've become good friends since then, I think, and uh, we will keep in touch even now. But he, David very kindly agreed to write the foreword uh, for this coming up book, So, uh, um, and his photograph is on the front with mine, so... Um, hopefully people won't be put off too much by that. I'm sure they won't. <laughs> You're both very jolly, both of you. So We did have some fun times. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And those 45 special um, reflections that you did were very much in the style of... Um, dare I say it, uh, Rabbi Blue. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, yes, very much so. Because more of a Christian... Um, focus rather than a Jewish well, one I have indeed, to say. Indeed, indeed, but, uh, but yeah, I his, style, <laughs> his style very yeah, much. Hopefully engaging. Unwind, like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind. That was Reverend Rosemary Muskell talking to Bobby Jones about her publications. If you are interested in getting a copy of the books, you can contact Rosemary on facebook.com forward slash rosemary.muskell. That's M-A-S-K-E-L-L. And the song was Windmills of My Mind by Alison Moyer. That was a lovely interview. Have you ever thought about doing that, Liz, about just taking time out for reflection? It's just such a lovely idea to do that. 
I don't know how you can find time to do it, though. Really. I guess for a lot of us, it's being able to afford not just the time, but being able to afford to do it if you've got mortgages and things like that. Rosemary's new book is really very good because it was recorded via HCR, where she came in on Saturday morning on the brunch show and she did Thought for the Day for a very long time. And the new book is a collection of those thoughts. So this is the new book, not the ones that she did when she was on her sabbatical. That's true, this yes. Is new one. So that's a new one coming out. But there are, I think there are a series of three of the reflections that mm-hmm. she's done. And, that's a great and, idea. And the books look absolutely fantastic. They are beautiful books. Mm -hmm. These were done on the show. And after Rosemary had done her thought for the the day, what I used to like, because I was quite keen to listen to them, was that David always would come up with something suitable to say afterwards. And it was the banter between the two of them. And it would be the reflection and the way that... 21st Century Women on HCR 104 FM and Cambridge 105. Because they heard her on Oh, really? So it struck a chord with them and that's really interesting. Leslie Challens and Alex Elbro chat to Louise Wilson about how they set up the Mill Road WR and how each WR is a little bit different from the next. Joining me now are Leslie Challens and our very own Alex Elbro from the Mill Road WI. So we're here to talk about why you set up the WI in the first place on Mill Road. So, Leslie. I'm sure you're aware there's been a huge resurgence of people wanting to join the WI and Alex and I joined, well, we started off at Bluebells actually in Cambridge, I think about four years ago. Leslie was quite new to Cambridge at that point. Indeed. And we'd met at the gym. At, at the gym and we became very good friends there and so... My children had gone off to uni at that time, so I thought well, it's a good idea to go and sort of join something like, and yeah. do something yeah. different. Yeah, I, my you know I came from a completely different angle. I was just very new to Cambridge. I didn't know anybody, and I had an old work colleague who uh, had been a WI member, and I remember her telling me the fun things she'd done. So I uh, emailed central office and I said, "Please, can you tell me where the WIs are?" So we went along to Bluebells, and then it became quite apparent as the year went on that we were there that there were lots of other people wanting to join WIs, and our regional president Sally uh, contacted us and just said look I'm setting up a new WI Mill Road for Alex and and the people I sort of went along to the WI with it was much more convenient for you wasn't yeah so it? we it was... so we decided that although we, we stayed as a dual member with yeah. uh, Bluebells for a, n- another year and then we were on the founding committee then for the Mill Road one and basically we had people coming out the door on the first night because <laughs> we said the first 50 there will get wow. in and we turned we, people away. Yeah, night, which is which is quite worrying. Is. <laughs> is that sort of how it works for the WI? In as much as did you did the Bluebells rather help you kind of set it up? Your regional president Sally gives you lots of guidance, and then you have an advisor that helps you in your first year. But obviously, we were quite new WI members. I think sometimes people start them up new ones up or asked to start them up when they've been doing WI for quite so a few years. So was it more out of a need of the fact that there were so many oh, yes. or did you feel that there were certain needs not being met? No, no, no. not at all. Bluebells was a great WI mm. and is and all, there are other WIs in Cambridge. There's Cam City and there's Ladybirds. So, you know, there are a number of WIs that meet different needs. I think it's just that there were so many people that yeah. wanted to become WI members that we felt there was a need to set another one up. Mm. Um, and we have been going now for, well, this is our fourth year. We, we celebrated our third 
third birthday. We had a big cake in January. So we've been going now for just over three years. So it's obviously working. And has it changed much over that time? We're slightly smaller than we were when we started and members come and go. I mean, Cambridge is an area where people come for a couple of years or, or they, they work or and, and then they move on. And, you know, for some people, WI isn't for them and we, we accept that. But we have a fairly solid membership now. We have about 30 members. Within that three years, we've set up our own book club. We had a craft club, but actually we found that not a lot of people in our WI are actually the, the, the crafty, type. crafty yeah. type. And they were there more for the interesting talks or um, demonstrations that we have. And so each WI sort of has a different take on what yeah. they're going to offer. And, and also, actually, on that note, I was looking at some of the various WI sites that are around Cambridge. You've all got your own symbol, like your own sort of little icon. <laughs> on have, the, yeah. is, there, is there a particular reason behind that, why there isn't a standard? or There is a standard. Okay. So there is a standard WI sign. Um, national uh, have, if you, if you Google the WI, you will come up with the WI sign. But I think each WI is very individual. They are run independently they're an independent charity individual charity and so they're running in individually um and so yes we become our own personalities we have our own characters um and i think that's quite important so i know ladybirds have got a little ladybird and and we have our mill road sign which is is very important to us and i think that that's that's you know that's something that that every wi will have does the wi your wi wi as a general do they get involved in other areas of community of the community i think they do very much so but again depending on the needs of that community and um the, the wi members we can't directly get involved with some things because we are a charity ourselves but we will always support members that will do things for instance we did the starshine stroll a couple of years ago a big group of us obviously they are on mill road or they were on mill road they've, they've now moved out but we did lots you know help fundraising for that we did the race for life last year and breast cancer which we will tell our members that we're doing and then they can either join us as a group or help support we, people we do that independently yeah, but, uh, yeah. We let our members um, know and also so. we get very involved in things like mill road winter fair yes. Mill Road History Group we've um, had talks from and uh, looked at some of the buildings that we 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 hold our meetings in what they used to be which is yeah talking about that so what what sort of evenings and you know events do you oh we put on a lot we ask our members I mean I think that's really important that that we give our members what they want I mean the base of, of the WI is not just about social but there is an educational element as well so we do ask our members so um it would be unfair to pick the favorites out because that's unfair on other people but we have done an awful lot I mean we started this year with a bit of tai chi which went very well we visited lush cosmetics the shop in town and they taught us how to make some bath bombs mm. and we also last year we went to the science center just before they moved which was a fantastic evening mm. wasn't it that, that was great and we've got the hedgehog people coming and we've done some photography skills this year we had jules abensor came yes. to see us uh, last month and to take a good picture which was quite enlightening we had a really interesting talk on bees and how yes. to keep bees which we think we're going to have another one because yeah. there wasn't enough to cover in in okay. an evening and a guide who told how the, how clever bees are. Yeah, and those are massive drivers as <laughs> yeah. well, obviously, yeah. to save our bees. Yeah. So, yeah. And WI are very uh, strong on um, taking forward campaigns. We do have resolutions, which I'll let Leslie talk about more, <laughs> every year, nationally. Resolutions are just issues that our members feel really passionate about, that they feel that they'd like you know, the National Federation to actually um, campaign for. So l- this year, in fact, hot off the press, can't say too much because it's all very new and we haven't had all the information through yet, but you will see the WI campaigning for alleviating loneliness across all ages, but also um, ending plastic soup 
which uh, is is quite uh, up and coming at the moment. So um, keep an eye out for that. That's gonna be well. I'm intrigued already as to what plastic soup is so referring to. Plastic, so microplastic fibres. It's it's about keeping microplastic fibres out of the ocean. Okay. So microplastic fibres, plastic soup, are small plastic fragments fragments that are about five millimetres or smaller um, and they come from synthetic and man-made clothes when you're put them through the wash and basically it's ingested by the aquatic life and it can cause problems mm. so obviously there, there could be a toxic build-up it can also affect the food we eat it gets yeah, into the food chain. chain so it's something a bit like plastic beads in a way yeah, I was going to so say microbeads I think are included in that yeah, so yeah. you know they're trying to reduce the plastic in, in all sort of facial scrubs and washes that we don't need those we can use natural mm. ones mm. and you know demand in the public is getting that way as well so i think the wi have seen that and, and yeah. they think that you know with such a powerful force of women they could bring raise, that forward raising awareness raising yeah awareness. i mean we have you know the wi have been very um forthcoming in things like you know we were at the start of the keep britain tidy campaign you know we've been campaigning for increasing midwife numbers mm. the bees were very big to us libraries um, so we've, we've, you know, the national have done a lot over the years, and in fact, at local level, we have taken on these campaigns. Mm. But as I say, the last two we talked about are quite new. Sort of rewinding slightly, something that you actually sort of said earlier, you know, about the WI. It was initially set up to educate rural women and encourage country women to get involved with growing and preserving food, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's always had that sort of twee jam and Jerusalem association. But there has been a trendy resurgence in recent years. So is that something that you've seen? you know the sort of the change in direction and also a demographic itself changing as i would say the older um generation wis which um people are you know 60 well not 60 70 80 90 they were once young wis and and very strong in their beliefs and they've come through and they still do that sort of thing things have changed i think um i think we're really lucky we're really privileged women that we fight for things now that they 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 couldn't they they, 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 they didn't have access to but saying that i think some of the younger ones now i I still have that same passion as as the old ones and they're starting and so it's it's like a a natural cycle of life i would Mm. say and saying our milro wi doesn't necessarily do a lot of crafting or home baking some people do and it's fantastic but some of the other ones for instance bluebells and things do a lot of crafting and they're they're in the new wave of crafting with um crocheting knitting and they do provide things for local communities and they have their own allotment as well Mm. to grow vegetables which they then sell and the money goes to um raising funds for a bursary so So leslie right let's sort of uh, round this up then when and where does the mill road wi meet so we meet on the third wednesday of every month we meet at the deaf association must have a big sound out to the deaf association because andy at the deaf association has been fantastic that's just off mill road just on romsey terrace so 7 15 to 9 15 third wednesday of every month we have a very exciting program so we're doing all things rio with a bit of food this uh, month so you know contact us millroadwi at gmail.com so that's for us if anybody is interested in coming along to just a different wi because there are over 68 institutes in Cambridge there's over 2,000 members you just have to email office at cfwi.co.uk and Helen and Karen the admin staff there will be really pleased to help you and just to add that our motto at Road WI is tea cake and laughter so all about fun and friendship so we would love to see you there fantastic thank you so much for coming in (laughs) 
was Louise Wilson talking to Leslie Challens and Alex Elbro from Mill Road WI. Very enthusiastic, these two, um, about how they went out and set up that WI. They're great. I mean, really full of energy. And I like the fact that they said all, all of the WIs are slightly different. So the one that they had started in, you know, they maybe they've got the, their own garden that they grow things in and they sell the vegetables to raise funds. And they also do crafting and things like that. Whereas the WI that they have set up in Mill Road isn't really that pe- the people just aren't interested in that kind of thing. They're more interested in the talks that come along and things like that. I thought that was really interesting. I I thought that all of these WIs were much the same, so I really learned something there. No, they are very, very different. And certainly here in Huntingdon, we've got several around and all of them are very different. The one in God Manchester kind of specialises in younger women uh, and I think most of them there are around their sort of 30s whereas there are, I mean Liz you go to one don't you yeah i've been going to the cromwell wi yeah wis have got to be different because they're composed of people who follow their own interests and and try and get other people interested in in certain things like you know they'll plan the whole year's program ahead and see if people agree with it and invite speakers in and you know you can't have the same things each year so you've got to really have quite varied interests amongst you and share the information about Mm -hmm. that find some really good speakers yeah i thought they were all the same clearly i'm very very wrong i think uh, i think the kind of rules they all try and follow the rules Mm -hmm. and they have these national resolutions this year it's um plastic soup so we had a debate about that yes in huntingdon yes well that's that is the big resolution the national resolution this year Mm. Yeah, we had to decide which one we were putting forward and obviously enough people thought that that was really, really important. It's very important, mm-hmm. yes. It's about the future, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's all we have time for in this edition of 21st Century Women. Our thanks go to Kelly Gonsalves, Andrew Bish, the Reverend Rosemary Maskell, Leslie Challens and Alex Elbro. We also thank contributor Louise Wilson. If you're listening to HCR 104 FM, next up is The Country Show with John and Jackie Manders. And on Cambridge 105, it's 105 Sport with Jack Swindlehurst and Matt Robinson. This show will be available as a podcast on iTunes and on Mixcloud. We'll be back in September. Until then, it's goodbye from Bobby Jones, from Liz Kelly and from me, Linda Ness. See you next time. <laughs>